What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Uh, today, we are continuing our story about getting pregnant and miscarriage. We left off talking about uh, kind of the aftermath of a miscarriage and how it affected our relationship and just kind of our mindset going forward. Yeah, I do want to start off by saying that uh, we have received so many emails. We thank you for taking the time to sit down and share your story with us. And uh, while a lot of these stories are not fun to read, much less experience, uh, they're so meaningful uh, for you to share and and talk about the things you learned. Sean and I are so grateful. And um, we're trying to figure out a good way to like, how can we responsibly help other people with with, um, you know, the stories that, that have been shared with us. So I think one of the most fascinating things and interesting things that I have learned since having a miscarriage is we have had the pleasure of interviewing so many amazing couples on the show. And I feel like every single person has a different story, whether it's miscarriage or broken families or blended families or adoption or infertility. I feel like, I mean, I hate to say that so many people and everybody goes through something, but just know that if you are going through something, you aren't alone because everybody is going through something. Does yeah. That make sense? By the way, this is a little mini series we're doing. Some people may listen to this and think, wow, this is kind of like a downer on <laughs> to listen to on my drive to work or yeah. wherever you listen to podcasts. But, um, we're working towards the good part and the fun yes. part. So yes. just hang in there. And I know, I, I think this is important to talk about. So we're just getting it out of the way. Um, another update to inform you if you're new, uh, mm. we alternate every other week. So every other week we have a couple on and then the weeks in between we do kind of this solo, just Andrew and I talking about our life, things that we have gone through and kind of our journey. So right now we're in the middle of this mini series talking about, um, just kind of our story, our pregnancy story, our miscarriage story, and then how we ended up with little Drew Hazel. Drew Hazel. So if you haven't yet. Make sure that you give the show a rating and subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to. We appreciate it. You ready to roll into this let's one? Let's do it. Okay, so let's just start. I'll, I'll just ask you questions. Okay. okay is how okay. we've mapped out this episode. So the first thing I want to know is... From your perspective, is there anything that you did differently when trying to get pregnant again for the second time? Uh, so we kind of talked about this at the end of the last episode, or we got there, where for us, one of the hardest things after we miscarried was finding a time or a phase of life where we were in the same place and agreed that it was a good time <clears throat> to start trying again. That was a mouthful. Mm-hmm. But the hardest thing that we went through after the miscarriage was trying was unifying our relationship again and being on the same page, whether it was because of emotional, you know, just hurt and pain from the trauma and hesitation with life and finances. We just couldn't get on the same page. And when we finally did, which was two years later, yeah, yeah. Um, we were in a good space. We were in a good place. We were like, okay. I don't think it'll ever be the perfect time as far as like finances and career, but we feel ready. We feel ready to kind of dive in and see what happens. And so when it came to trying, I don't think we did anything different except for we had talked about that for about a year straight. I did everything in my power 
that I could to get my body ready. I took the supplements. I went and saw an acupuncturist, which in my mind was like helping my body. I went and did blood work to make sure everything was, you know, all my levels for hormones and nutrients was right. And I ate properly and I worked out properly. And I just, I tried to prep my body to make sure that it was best set up to get pregnant. It is interesting. I want to do a whole episode on when you're ready for these huge life changes like marriage or having a kid. Um, But there's so many things that you could possibly get weighed down by when it comes to these big decisions. When it comes to having a kid, it's like, oh, are we in a like a place where we can financially do this? Am I ready to give up certain freedoms, et cetera, et cetera? And I I think that what you mean when you say we were ready to have a kid is that we got to a point where we were just okay with the uncertainties, (laughs) right? We knew that there was going to be a thousand things thrown at us that we had never encountered before, which I think we still continue to struggle with because Mm -hmm. there's so many things to figure out, but we were, we were like, okay, we're just going to brace for impact. And then also we said, we're at a point where we feel like we've experienced enough of life Mm -hmm. as, as not parents. Mm -hmm. So before we were dating, before we were dating, while we were dating, while we were married without kids, we said, okay, I think we're, I think we're in a good spot. Not everybody has the luxury or, or, you know, the foresight to like plan like, like we did kind of, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, I think another big aspect of it too was one of the, one of the, not one of, I think one of the, wow. All right. As a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set to be specific. So with Drew and Jet, and bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, This has to do with science, but especially with bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the colorful chemistry kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-Co.com. Promo code COUPLE. 
Did you I, just black out? I just blacked out. I think the biggest reason why we weren't ready as a couple in those two years to start trying or for that uncertainty or for that next step was because you and I weren't on a good page. Right. And I'm not saying like our marriage was bad or anything was wrong. It's just when you aren't unified and in a healthy spot relationally, you can't be in a phase of such uncertainty when it comes to a kid to like be each other's number ones. Yeah. I We weren't each other's like top supporters and teammates in those two years because we were butting heads a lot with such a big topic and a heavy pain and the loss that it wouldn't have worked. But when we finally got on the same page and started to really work on our relationship and work on us and started to have fun again and started to really be each other's number ones, it seemed like the perfect time for us to bring in an, bring in an outside uncertainty. I heard an analogy there that the other day of someone comparing marriage to, uh, hunting. <laughs> okay. And, uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I'm, yeah, I love it. Uh, where you have one target and there's, you know, someone hunting from one perspective and the worst thing that could happen is someone from another perspective also hunting or in this instance, attacking an issue. So to your point of being on the same page, if you're both coming at something from the with, same direction, from the same direction on the same page, then the likelihood of something, someone getting hurt is way less than but if you're coming both at hunting from opposite directions. Do you like my analogy now? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Um, so yeah. I will, I'll go back to the question of, did we do anything different when we started trying a second time? We prepared quote unquote for it just because it wasn't an accident and it was actually a preparation. But as far as when we decided to like pull the goalie and start trying, we really didn't do anything different. We just, we were just us and we had fun and we tried not to think about it. And what, now when you say we had fun, <laughs> you know, what exactly you? what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Can you? laughs> we had sex. <laughs> uh, um, we just, we just kind of let things happen. And we said we would do that for a year. And after a year, if nothing happened, we'd talk about taking it a step further, whatever that would need to be. Yeah. Um, you were talking about your acupuncture and, you know, your workout routine and diet, et cetera. It is, I've heard so many stories and so many opinions of like people saying, oh, well, you know, it was when I was finally uh, like de-stressed that we were able to have a kid. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I've heard just as many like miracle stories where like, I just, there's something about you being blessed with a child whenever whenever that opportunity comes around, you know what I'm saying? And I know that, that, that can come off painful to people who haven't been able to have mm -hmm. a kid yet who've wanted it. But like I've had friends, mentors who like tried for 15 years to have a kid and then they did. And it's like, you know, there is a, a, there is an, a, not an aspect. I mean, the whole child birthing creating process is an absolute miracle of creation. Absolutely. But I do think, I don't know, like you said, that's hard because it's such a question of why when it doesn't happen that that's when like through the miscarriage, I started doubting if I was 
worthy enough or if I was supposed to be a mom. I, I, I think to a certain extent I tried to protect and keep my body as healthy as possible so I didn't have those doubts in my mind. Interesting. Sorry to get us on, off on a no, tangent. Right. My next question or the next thing I want to talk about is how when you did get pregnant, um, you didn't feel like you could celebrate. You've said that multiple times. Well, I mean, do you remember this? I, I mean, I remember it vividly. I remember we had been trying and we kind of, it was kind of just like a, we're just going to go with the flow. And then if something happens, something happens, but we're just going with the flow. And we're over at our friend. When you fr- say going with the flow. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, we're over at our friend's house, our best friend's. And I thought I felt different, but I don't know. I think I was just in denial because of the miscarriage. Because of the miscarriage, I just, I was in denial about pregnancy. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to work a second time. Because when you go through something like that, when you go through anything traumatic in regards to a baby and a child, um, you kind of build a wall up around your heart because you don't ever want to feel a heartbreak again. So... I tried to remove all emotion and just kind of desensitize myself. So if I took a pregnancy test and it said positive, I pictured myself just kind of going void of all emotion. So we were over at our friend's house and my friend and I, we were both trying to have a kid at the same time. So we were very aware of like schedules and cycles and when we should, whatever, be having a period or not. And I remember going over there and she's like, so how are things going? And I was like, well, I'm a couple days late, which I'm usually very on schedule. And she was like, you're taking a test right now. (laughs) And it was pizza night. So we were supposed to be making pizza and the boys were in the kitchen making pizza. And we ran back into her bathroom and she had pregnancy tests because they were trying as well. And she gave me one and I was like, I'm not, it's not going to be positive. Even if I am pregnant, it's too early. And I took it. And literally within 10 seconds of taking the test, it turned positive, which... I actually haven't heard the, the play-by-play on this. And I I just looked at her and I was like, holy crap. Hold on, but pregnancy tests are wrong a lot? No. No? Not like that. So you can get like false positives sometimes where you could look at a test and it's like, oh, is that a positive? Is that a negative? But... This was like in 10 seconds, it was like positive. <laughs> so like the lines were as clear as uh, they could possibly be. Okay. And I just remember standing there and I was like, holy crap. And she's like, she was freaking out, freaking out. And I was just like, holy crap. And that's literally all I could say. And that's, it sounds weird, but that's literally all I felt. In like a good holy crap, excited holy crap like scared it was kind of in i want you to tell your side of the story from when i came out of the bathroom and i literally just handed you a pregnancy test and i was like here you go because the first time we got pregnant which was an accident we weren't trying but it was still a a miracle and a blessing i was i had every emotion in the world going through me i was ecstatic i was terrified in my mind we were having a kid and that was it like our life had changed yeah, forever in that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And when that kind of Cinderella story had been taken away from us because it was like, oh, 
there are so many more aspects to pregnancy than you ever were aware of. And so many different complications can happen. And so many, like so many things. As soon as I got pregnant the second time, it was kind of like this, holy crap, here we go again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to act excited because I didn't know if it was going to last. I didn't want to think one day forward because I didn't want to think of all the complications and the tests and like everything that was going to come of it. I didn't want to, you know, be so elated and be like, oh, we're having a kid because I didn't know if we were. So I just, I felt, I just felt kind of, eh. I was happy. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, eh. Like overwhelmed with. Yeah. Like get ready. Yeah. I, I feel like we've been continually reminded about how the whole parenting journey <laughs> from even deciding that you're ready to have a kid is a hundred percent uncertain from like it, And that encompasses so many different things, mm -hmm. but like the, just like you said, the first time I got pregnant, we're like, wow, okay. Hey, this is like pretty much when we, uh, when we woke up the next morning, we're like, all right, this is, let's talk about baby names. This is a shoot. Like mm -hmm. we already had the vision and then it was like, that didn't happen. So then the second time, that you got pregnant was it was it it was like uh i didn't have the visions of mm -hmm. my little kid running around it was just like mm -mm. let's we're just gonna take this one day at a time i felt very emotionally detached because to me and that sounds terrible because it was instantly a child and i i don't want to dehumanize you know the baby and everything but i i felt removed from the baby at that moment to protect yourself yeah 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 um how did you feel when i told you all right so from my side we were having we were making pizzas <laughs> i go outside to call my mom <laughs> come back well I, I thought i heard some commotion but i guess you didn't tell there was what three other people there to, that night it was josh chelsea dave dave but you didn't tell any of them I was there when you told the boys. Chelsea knew. Yeah, yeah, but okay. So, no, I, but so whatever commotion I heard was something else. Josh did see us walk out, and I'm he sure. Knew something was up. Oh, for sure. Anyway, so I come back in. Literally, I, it was like a three-minute phone call. Come back in, and I sit down, and Sean's, no, Sean forces me. She's like, sit down. You have to sit down. You have to sit down. I'm like, what the heck is happening? I feel like she's about to slam a pizza in my face. <laughs> so I sit down, and I'm literally, we have a video of it. It's like, I'm like, on edge because mm -hmm. I don't know what the heck is about to happen. And then I think you made me close my eyes and you put the pregnancy test or no, you just gave me the pregnancy test around my shoulder. And I literally had no, it was the last thing I was expecting. Yeah. Cause we were making pizza. And then next thing you know, <laughs> yeah. you give me a, a pregnancy <laughs> test and yeah, I think you could, even if you watch that video, like there's some hesitation of mm -hmm. it's more than just the, excitement or the fear it's just like well, now this is another level of uh how is this gonna happen you know well and to a certain extent like i i like to romanticize everything when it comes to as a kid picturing my wedding i wanted this big elaborate wedding i wanted this big elaborate proposal i wanted to tell my husband that we are pregnant in such a big and elaborate way but then again after the miscarriage i felt like I stripped myself of that because in protecting my heart and protecting us, 
I was like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to make this such an extravagant thing and have it taken away from me, which is probably the wrong way to approach it because every baby should be celebrated. Every pregnancy should be celebrated and mourned if it gets to that. But I just couldn't get myself to do it. Well, we were just talking this morning about how it's easier to like remain stoic and just kind of try to remain on one emotional plane mm -hmm. and not get too high or too low because the higher and more excited you get, the more the you, chance the you more have. you open yourself up to like a deeper hurt, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, you and this is I didn't understand why people didn't tell their families that they were pregnant until like week twelve, but it's like it is so much harder to to retroactively or sorry, to tell your family, hey, mm -hmm. we have pregnant and then everybody celebrates and then that's all you're talking about because everybody's so excited and then you find out you have a miscarriage and and then everyone ask you about it or like it's those awkward interactions of like so how are you doing it's easier to just be like uh i'm struggling a little bit we had a miscarriage like f five weeks ago and they're like you know it's just that's an easier conversation than to have the celebrations and then have to go back and well absolutely and i have a bunch of friends who unfortunately have miscarried and lost beautiful babies and they're they're the same way they're like i didn't tell anybody that i had a miscarriage because at that moment, I didn't want to share it with the world. I didn't want the world to just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because you don't want to just refill that pain over and over again. But maybe we're all doing it wrong. Maybe we all need to share it because, like I said, every pregnancy and every baby should be celebrated and if lost, mourned. Well, I don't know. But also just to clarify for those listening who don't know, I guess the, the tradition or etiquette is to wait till you're 12 weeks pregnant, not etiquette. That's what people usually do mm -hmm. because m the majority of those miscarriages, like chemical miscarriages happen in the first 12 weeks. Is that right? Correct. But I would say, ladies, if you get pregnant, tell the world. Those babies should be celebrated. That's what I'm That's saying. a really interesting thought. But you're also then asking them to open, them, open up to hurt. You don't but get one hurt, without the other. But it also hurts no matter what. And no woman should feel like they have to hide a pregnancy because it's not valid or it wasn't far enough along to be valid. You are pregnant. You were pregnant. And even if it's difficult to go through with the world... The world should celebrate that for you. That's huge. Mm. That's an interesting thought. I think there's a lot that goes in that. A lot. I think for you listening, you know, decide what's best for you. Probably. Absolutely. But I also think following etiquette, just because it's risky to tell someone before 12 weeks, is dumb. <laughs> Because, I mean, we are religious people. I Think of how many prayers that beautiful baby could have in those uncertain weeks. That's a, that's a really good point. And think the support a mom could get to help her not stress out and live in fear for 12 weeks and try to keep this pent-up secret. And I just, I, th I think that stigma is a little wrong. But let me challenge you right now, live. Oh, gosh. 
we've talked about how <laughs> when we have our second, you don't want to share know, it for a while. I know. And I'm saying I'm wrong. I'm saying I'm saying I'm, it's so natural to protect yourself, just like talking about when we got pregnant with Drew, how I didn't feel like I could celebrate and I didn't feel like I should celebrate. And I protected myself from that pain. Well, and I've said the same thing if, if and when we start trying again for our, our second kid. I when you say trying again. <laughs> you're so Are ridiculous. you talking about naked time? <laughs> naked time, <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, we've talked about when we start trying again, if we get pregnant, I probably want to wait longer this time to share anything. But I'm challenging myself even and saying, I think that perspective might be wrong. Because yes, it opens you up to more pain and it opens you up to having more people I uh, relive that pain by saying I'm sorry and that they're they're there for you and they're supporting you. But maybe that's what we should do. Because like you said, if we all just try to avoid emotion, I think we're failing to celebrate and mourn things that we should. This is all right. Enough on that. I know. Curious to get your thoughts. If you guys do want to share them, you can email a couple things pod pod at gmail.com. My next question mm -hmm. Did you feel any tension between celebrating something that's so exciting, finding out that you're pregnant, while still kind of mourning the incredible like loss of the yeah. miscarriage? Because with every, you know, with every potential pregnancy or pregnancy test you take, you're kind of reminded of mm -hmm. that miscarriage absolutely i mean i felt like every single day of my pregnancy i felt like i was reliving the miscarriage because every single day every single time this is like very graphic but like every single time i sat down on the toilet to like if i wiped with toilet paper i was like oh my god what if i see blood and every little cramp I got and every stomach ache and every headache and every time I didn't feel good or every time I felt nauseous or every single second of every day was this reminder of a miscarriage because I wanted a baby so bad and I was so afraid that with every day that passed, I would get more attached and it would be harder to live with another miscarriage or another loss or another complication or another just anything. So every single day I would, I mean, I got myself so worked up. I distinctly remember, I remember and we'll share more um, about this probably in different podcasts, but I remember there was one day I was, I was driving to flip fest, um, which is like two and a half hour drive away. And I just had this, I, I don't remember how far along I was. I think it was like five months along. So I was pretty far, but it was five months because I just remembered because my mom lost their first at five months, um, which I didn't know until I miscarried the first time that was kind of brought up in conversation. But my mom and dad got pregnant with a little girl before me and they lost her at five months. Um, and so it was five months. I was driving to Flipfest. We had already had a couple of complications. I had a two-vessel cord, and they were really nervous that Drew was going to have complications when she was born because of the two-vessel cord and not have enough oxygen. 
when it causes stillbirth and just all these different things. I had just been diagnosed with, I had too much amniotic fluid. There was just a couple different things that scared me. And I bawled my eyes out for the two and a half hour car ride. Nonstop, hyperventilating, driving behind the wheel, five months pregnant. Because I let myself feel emotion and I was terrified to lose that baby. I didn't want to feel it again. And yeah. So I, I through the entire pregnancy until the day she was born, I was terrified and relived it every day. It's so interesting talking about this from the perspective of like, all right, we had a miscarriage, then we were able to have a kid. Mm-hmm. But then as we talk about potentially having a second kid, we're walking right back into this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't have that thought just till just now, but it's like, it never, it's not like, ah, you crossed the, you crossed the threshold mm-hmm. of, you didn't, you had a miscarriage and then now you didn't. So you're done with miscarriages, you know? But it's, it's the perspective of, of just children because it's not like you ever cross a finish line. Every single day of our kids' lives, of Drew's life, we're going to worry. She's going to turn, you know, one here soon, and she's going to start swimming. And so many different accidents happen in a pool or happen on your front doorstep, or she falls and gets a cut, or she turns 16 and she goes off with a boy for the first time. It's, I feel like, having a miscarriage was the first time we felt fear and loss and pain in regards to a child. And I don't feel like that ever changes. And to bring the analogy back up though, of not only when you're making decisions as a married couple, do you need to be on the same page and confronting it from the same angle, but the opportunity, there is an opportunity, the silver lining and hurt Mm-hmm. that you experience on this level is you can go through it as a couple mm-hmm. if you go through it together. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm trying, like I'm just trying to communicate that as best I can. Cause I think that's well, so important of, of there. My tendency is when something bad happens, you know, I want to shut the door, turn the lights off and not talk to anybody, mm-hmm. just be by myself. That would be a missed opportunity. But you have to experience it and you have to cry the tears. Absolutely. And taking it back even further. I Are remember you crying right now. No. Oh. Well, I mean, no, I could if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my coach teaching me. Um, I remember before every competition, I used to get so, so nervous. And I remember someone asked, I think I asked him, I was like, is it, does it mean that like I'm a bad gymnast if I don't, or that I get so nervous, you know, I'm at the elite level. Shouldn't I have mastered this already? And I remember him teaching me at a very young age. He said, if you aren't nervous, that means you don't care. And I think bring that all the way around to kids. You care so, so, so much. These tiny humans are a part of your soul and they give you more purpose in life than anything and I think that's why it's such a hard thing to go through start to finish pain and joy loss and celebration all of it is because you 
Let me. You love them to the fullest extent. Let me throw in an asterisk mark there, though, for people who a have decided not to have kids or yeah. b can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is plenty of purpose to be found outside of kids. Having Absolutely. kids was a choice that you and I made that we wanted to. Like it was a choice that you and I wanted to make together. Absolutely. But um, that I think that's a really good analogy, and I never thought of it. But as an athlete, like that, those nerves that you feel, mm-hmm. it's a really good sign that you're on the right track, but you cannot let those feelings control your performance. Mm-mm. And I think that's something that every day you and I have been learning every day that every day you were pregnant that we were learning was those doubts or the tendency, you know, when you have a kid to, to try to control every second and then you know, try to prevent the kid from bumping their head or mm-hmm. falling on the stairs or whatever. It's caring is almost all you need to do, mm-hmm. but you can't hold on too tightly, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a fine line, but an important one to put a lot of thought into. So um, next episode, I want to talk about how those uncertainties kind of reared their heads during mm-hmm. your pregnancy but um, just some real quick positive spin and takeaways that we've hit on before. If you have experienced a miscarriage recently or know someone that has, know that they're way more common than you think. Um, one in every four. It doesn't make it any easier, yeah. but it gives you an understanding that you aren't alone. Yeah. And don't let that discourage you from continuing to want to have a family. Mm-hmm. Find community out of it. Use an opportunity to to get closer with your sigo. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are trying, trying to get pregnant, if you are trying to start a family, um, I'm not trying to just push our interviews, but we have had some great interviews. One was with Chuck Wicks and Cassie Rosa Wicks about infertility and blended families. Um, we've interviewed other people about adoption. Um, everybody just has a miracle story in regards to like their relationship and their family. So. Yeah. I've, and I've heard plenty of stories of like those friends <laughs> I was talking about that haven't, get, that couldn't get pregnant for like 15 years. They went over to some pastor's house. They were prayed over, you know, with got pregnant yeah, and got pregnant. Well, so and then we have, friends, hope. we have friends who couldn't get pregnant for a really long time. Ended up saying it's not for us. Let's adopt. Went through the entire adoption process went to pick up their child from India, came home, and they were pregnant. That's nuts. Because just like there's uncertainty that makes it hard to want to celebrate, like you and I, our second pregnancy after having experienced a miscarriage, there's also uncertainty in, hey, you've tried for 15 years, but you're saying there's a chance. Mm -hmm. So use that maybe as hope uh, because you can get, you can get pregnant after a miscarriage. It's not like the end of the road. Um, the grief is normal. The guilt is normal. The difficult emotional processing is, is normal. Fine community. Like I said, um, and just try to try to have hope and faith and knowing that it's, uh, it's all a part of a bigger plan. So it's this beautiful tapestry of <laughs> stories and experiences that, you'll get a look back on someday, you know, but did we hit everything you wanted to hit on? 
I think so. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but I think it's okay. Yeah. We we try to structure this out as structure this out as much as possible. I feel like with all of it, with marriage, relationships, family, business, finance, careers, everything, it's allowing yourself to go through the good moments and the bad moments that make you stronger. And if you just keep pushing through, there's always I feel like light at the end of the tunnel. Preach. I think that's a good way to go out. Hey, hope you're having a great day. Thank you for listening. Um, give the show a rating and subscribe to it if you can. Share your stories with couplethingspod at gmail.com. And we're thankful for each and every one of you. This is the East Fam. Wow. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.